Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion team. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Radio.com Sports presents Big Time Baseball with MLB insider John Heyman and former major leaguer Tony Gwynn Jr. After a week off, we are back. John Heyman, Tony Gwynn Jr. This is Big Time Baseball. And uh, we got a nice show lined up for you today. CeCe Zabathias will join us later on in the show. But uh, fortunately for us, there's been some baseball news over the past two, three weeks. And John and I actually have something to talk about. But before we get into that news, we have to uh, talk about uh, the sad news of Hall of Famer Hank Aaron passing away this past week. And uh, it's it's been a, it's 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 continued to be a rough nine ten months for the hall of fame as as we lose another baseball giant john yeah it's it's absolutely been brutal um obviously lost al Kaline, lou brock bob gibson tom siever phil negro i mean and that's just off the top of my head don sutton um it's been a brutal several months no question about it uh but hank aaron um one of the all-time greatest players i'm not telling you anything you don't know tony um, yeah. you know, I'd say he's one of the two greatest players I ever saw, along with Mickey Mantle. Uh, the consistency, incredible. I mean, we'll never have a player like this again. For 19 straight seasons, had a slugging percentage of 5'11 or better. Um, just amazing. Uh, and 24 home runs or more every single year. He didn't have one off year, not one bad year uh, in all that stretch. Uh, just an amazing career, an amazing talent. And really an amazing man. I mean, to have uh, overcome all that he overcame, uh, amazing. The, the threats that he endured. I mean, uh, yeah. you think there's racism now? I, it was brutal uh, to be a, a star player in uh, the South. Uh, one home run away from, from Babe Ruth. Uh, he had 713 going into uh, the 1974 season. And I remember at that time, uh, you, you I'm sure were not born, but I remember at that time uh, the, getting the baseball card and it said all-time home run champ. And I, I was only 
12 years old, 13 years old at the time. And I'm thinking to myself, my God, I hope he makes it. You know, we, we knew at that time uh, that there was a threat uh, and he was certainly enduring it, but uh, he did it with dignity, uh, gr- uh, grace, class, uh, just an amazing gentleman really is. I think that last word, class, great, those last two words, grace and class pop up in my head. I, I remember being drafted by the Brewers in the second round and, uh, signing a deal and heading out to Milwaukee to, to get introduced. And uh, one of the last people I got to talk to before I hopped in a van and headed to Beloit, Wisconsin to start my professional career was Hank Aaron. I got to sit in the box wow. with him and, and, and talk to him. And his, his his message was very simple. Keep your head down, work hard, and, and, and put your best foot forward. You have a chance to be a big leaguer one day. And it's simple, but it was something that lasted with me for my entire career. And um, every time I got a chance to talk to him after that, the thing that just, he just had this quiet toughness about him that, um, really, really stood out. And, um, and I think my most accounts, I mean, he's still the home run King. I mean, Hank Aaron, uh, was one of the most consistent players this league has ever seen. Um, we, we've gone through all of the numbers over the past week, just talking about him, but, uh, certainly a, a sad, sad day for 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 Major League Baseball the day he passed, and and uh, a lot of a lot of people lost a hero. I mean, he, I'm talking about guys I looked up to, Barry Bonds, is the King Griffey Juniors. That that was their their hero, and and to to have to ha- to have that kind of loss again. And Major League Baseball and the Hall of Fame has been hit pretty tough with with some of the guys we've lost. Um, John, I don't know if you you knew this, but is it true that there was a $50 fifty was the difference in us seeing a, a Willie Mays and a Hank Aaron sharing the outfield together? Yeah, I saw that story on MLB.com. That is quite a story. And, of course, in those days, the, the money was less. Um, you right, know, the scouting right. wasn't as good. <laughs> they just certainly didn't know Willie Mays would be Willie Mays and Hank Aaron would be Hank Aaron. But uh, they came close uh, to being teammates, I believe, on the Giants, right? Uh, I think yeah, it was yeah. the Giants. Um, would have been uh, quite something. Um, you know, there's a lot a- of close calls. Look, uh, Clemente was almost a Dodger for life, right? And then he went to the Pirates for nothing and uh, became Roberto Clemente. So, uh, but uh, to have those two guys in the same outfield, that would have been uh, quite something. Yes. Uh, prayers to the Aaron family out there. Let's get into um, some Major League Baseball and some of this free agency. Uh, we'll start mm-hmm. with the Yankees. They, they're the most recent team to make a, a move. They trade for Adovino, uh, a trade Adovino to the Red Sox. Now, how often, this has got a, this is, hasn't happened in a long time where these two teams in the same division had made nice to make a deal with one another. Incredible. I think the second time since 1997 uh, they've made a deal. The big, the biggest deal I can remember, maybe there's a bigger one, was, uh, was Sparky Lyle for Danny Cater. And uh, that turned out great for the Yankees. Sparky Lyle was a star in that bullpen and combined with Rich Agas, Goose Gossage and up to win two uh, World Series. But uh, this came out of nowhere. Uh, the Yankees just didn't have faith in Adovino for whatever reason. He had a good first year there. Last year he was okay. He had one terrible outing against Toronto where he didn't get an out and gave up at least six runs. I can't remember exactly how many, but I think that skewed his ERA. And without that, his ERA would have been around three. And uh, But the, he wasn't pitching the big innings uh, by the end. Obviously, they have a lot of great arms in the bullpen with Britton and uh, Chapman and some others. But uh, 
for whatever reason, they seem to lose faith. But uh, Adovino is a pretty talented pitcher, so I, I can't blame the Red Sox for uh, picking him up. My understanding now is the Yankees are now looking to add a reliever. They're far enough under that threshold, and these teams are taking that threshold like a cap somehow. Uh, I'm not sure anybody's going to be over it. They're all trying to stay under it. Uh, and I get, you know, there's certainly some uncertainty to the finances uh, for this coming year, and teams did not make what they used to make last year. So uh, I understand it to a degree, but, boy, they're taking that threshold uh, incredibly seriously. But I do think the Yankees have room, uh, and they will be looking at relief. It does feel like Tanaka will end up back in Japan uh, and not with the Yankees. They've been in contact, but the Yankees have not seemed anxious to keep Tanaka for whatever reason. I still think Tanaka is pretty good and very clutch, but yeah. uh, he'll be back in Japan, I think. Yeah, I agree. It, it does. It's, it seems a little weird the way the Yankees are operating, or at least weird from the standpoint of how they normally operate. And, and the fact that they're still looking for a, a reliever arm, it, 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 it kind of you kind of wonder if the fit was right for Ottavino because, as you said, he, he didn't pitch poorly as a Yankee. I mean, his second year wasn't as good as his first, but certainly not something that would force you to trade him in the division to one of your biggest rivals. It just seems a little off for the Yankees. Now, the other move they made is, is Jamison Tallion. Uh, he is traded to the Yankees uh, from Pittsburgh for four prospects. Uh, this guy's got some upside. What, what, are you, what are you thinking about this deal, John? Yeah, one one more thing on Ottavino that's interesting is they they it seems like you heard at the end they didn't they thought he'd be better outside of New York, which is curious because he's from Brooklyn. You know, he is a real right, New Yorker. Right. So uh, that was weird. Uh, Tyon is a guy the Yankees have been interested in. They were interested in Musgrove too. They uh, tried hard for him. Uh, again, it's about that threshold. Tyon makes it very reasonable two point two five million, and he fits in nicely. That's why they were looking at Luis Castillo so seriously rather than the big free agents. And so they loved it from that aspect. And Garrett Cole gave a great recommendation on a tie-on. And he certainly has talent. He was picked second uh, in his draft. Um, I think it was, was a 2010 or 11 uh, draft, uh, about a decade ago anyway. And uh, he was picked right behind Harper, right in front of Machado. So uh, he's obviously been a big talent. Uh, unfortunately, he's had two Tommy John surgeries. He's overcome cancer, which is that's great that he's overcome it. But um, his career has been derailed several times. He still has two years to go. So that's why the Pirates were able to get four pretty good prospects for him. And, uh, you know, I mean, the Yankees have a talented uh, rotation. Uh, but look, they've got Cole at the top, which is a, a fantastic, obviously, one of the best pitchers in baseball. But after that, you've got talented guys. Uh, who are coming off of years where they either didn't pitch or Kluber's, Corey Kluber's case, uh, one inning. Um, you've got Tyon, you've got Severino, who's coming back from the Tommy John from 2019. Uh, you've got Herman, who didn't pitch due to the uh, domestic violence case. Um, and you've got young guys. You've got Davey uh, Garcia, you've got Montgomery. Uh, so, I mean, there's a lot of questions. There's talent, but there's questions there with the Yankees. Let's stay on the East Coast, John. The Nationals uh, quietly, I think, have put together a pretty decent offseason. They've added some arms to to their ball club, and particularly they've recently added uh, closer Brad Hand. Now, Brad's fastball may not be hitting what it was, but his slider is still as good as anybody in the league. I personally like this this move for for the Nationals. It uh, kind of shores up the, the bullpen, which over the 
couple of years. I mean, even the World Series year, they were only using one guy, one or two guys out of that bullpen consistently. Uh, this gives them some some more depth there. Yeah, absolutely, Tony. In fact, uh, if you looked at their lefty relievers, I was wondering why they weren't in on them sooner, um, really. Right. Uh, Luis Avilon is the only veteran lefty reliever that they had before uh, getting bread hand. And, uh, you know, uh, eventually I got an inkling that they were in on him. And uh, I, said, I looked at their roster and I said, why, why weren't they in on them before? But apparently <laughs> right. early on, Hand had talked to the Mets, the Angels, uh, Blue Jays, I think the Blue Jays had offered about $10 million and or $16 million over two years. And uh, he ended up switching agents. Um, and I'm not sure it was over finances or what, but he, he ended up getting $10.5 million, which is a little bit more than $10 million that he uh, was offered by the Blue Jays. The $10 million figure also came up because he was put on waivers, and any team could have claimed him for $10 million. It's funny that nobody did. I thought that was weird at the time. Teams have a big emphasis on velocity and swing and miss stuff. I mean, the guy is a fantastic pitcher. He has 0.77 whip. He saved every game that he was uh, uh, called on to save last year. Um, he gets it done. He's a terrific pitcher. Um, you know, I put, uh, possibly he picked the Nats. He, he liked them better because he lives in the West Palm area. That's where they train. Um, also, he has a clear path to the closing job. I've heard that Hudson likes to set up, so that will work out. But, uh, you know, he basically got the same deal he had before with the previous agent. Um, we'll see about the deferments because, you know, Washington defers um, yeah. or has structures in which it, it becomes a deferral. Um, so we'll see. But it's a, it's about $10 million and he got to a team that he wanted to get to. So uh, perhaps that was worth it for him. Yeah. Anytime you can uh, get to a team you actually want to play for, that's always a positive. Now, uh, you know, this we're getting to that time of, of the year where spring training is around the corner, John, and it's time to evaluate who who do you think had the winning off season? And I I, I have my pick. Uh, it's a homer pick, but uh, <laughs> no, you're the, right. <laughs> the Padres have been pretty good this off season. Most recently, adding Joe Musgrove, who I I think is a, a tremendous uh, addition to go uh, with the the top of the line starters they have. Uh, what's your take on it? Who do you think won this offseason? Oh, yeah, it's no homer pick. I mean, the Padres are the clear, clear biggest winner of this offseason. I, th- I don't think there's any question about that. Uh, adding Darvish, Snell, and Musgrove, uh, plus Caratini and some of the other players that they've added. Uh, it's an incredible winter, one of the best I've ever seen. My understanding is they almost got uh, Darvish, Snell, and Musgrove all in one day. Um Something wow. happened with the Pirates, and it got delayed, and the other two deals came fairly close together, not the same day, but uh, they almost did all in one day. I think that's probably was AJ's goal, was to have everything done in one day. That uh, sounds like AJ for sure. Yes, that does sound like him. we got to get him <laughs> on here, by the way, one of these days. But uh, I do agree with you. Padres are one. The White Sox have done a terrific job. I don't think there's any yeah. question about that. I agree with you on the Nats. Uh, the Mets certainly have improved. Um, you know, I think the Braves, I like Charlie Morton. Uh, there are teams here and there that have picked up pieces and improved. Uh, but obviously we haven't seen a lot of aggression. We still have three quarters of the free agents are still uh, out there with uh, three weeks to go before we think they're going to start spring training if they do on time. Uh, so it's been a very slow winter, but not for the Padres and for the White Sox too. They've done a good job as well. John, let me ask you this before we get to to my Hall of Fame question. I mean, with some of the some still marquee names out there, 
if you had to guess who you think is the first one to come off the board, I mean, we, we Springer's he's off, but we still got guys like Trevor Bauer available. Uh, what is, what is the market looking like for these guys? We knew it was going to be slow, but this seems even slower than it was two or three years ago. Yeah. And we'll go over these guys one by one, but I think real Mudo is probably, and I, I don't like to usually say the order, but at this point, I think that's a good question because it does feel like it's coming to a head and it should happen sometime in the next week. You never know, of course, but Phillies are pressing to, to keep real Mudo. And I, I think that, that that's the likelihood, um, he and the Braves have mutual interest. It's interesting. They have Darno, uh, and the Braves don't like to do five, six-year deals. I, I just don't see right, somebody right. taking a lower deal just because you like uh, Atlanta. I don't know whether he likes Coca-Cola or what it is about Atlanta that he likes so much. <laughs> they were a competitor. In fact, right. they were a competitor to both the teams that he played for, the Marlins and the right. Phillies. And, you know, you got a team offering nine figures. I think it's about $110 million that the Phillies are offering. Um, it's hard to turn that down. You're a catcher who's a, yeah. close to 30. You know, what are you, you going to take a three-year deal and then be a free agent at 33? That doesn't doesn't seem like doesn't a good idea to me. Yeah. No. Yeah, do like CeCe, a uh, guy we had on, uh, have on our podcast. Uh, he did it right. He got seven years for 161. You go for the best deal that you can make, and Real Moto had a good year, and he should take advantage of that. It Does, doesn't make sense to do a two- or three-year deal. But, you know, if somebody does it, if they have the guts to do it um, – you know, in a sense, you say more power to them. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right. Uh, before we get to Insider, not sure what you can and can't talk about, but can we discuss the Hall of Fame? I mean, there's some intriguing sure. names on this list sure. that seemingly have gained momentum over the last two years. Uh, who who should get a call if, if you can actually talk about it? Um. Yeah, I, I don't mind talking about it. I have not revealed my ballot this year, but I, I and I don't have it in front of me, so I don't know if I'll be able to reveal the whole ballot by memory, but maybe if you bring up the names, I'll, I'll know. Uh, I do vote for Barry Bonds because I do believe that narrative that he, um, you know, didn't do the steroids until after McGuire and Sosa and the others started doing them, and I thought he was a Hall of Famer even yeah. by that time. So I, I, I'm buying that. I'm not a guy who votes for steroid guys. He's the only one I vote for. Um, so I do vote for Barry Bonds. Um, you know, I'm not sure people will see it inconsistency because I don't vote for Clemens. I'm just not sure what to believe with Clemens, but I could see that case too. Maybe he didn't do steroids until he got to Toronto. Is he a Hall of Famer with uh, three Cy Youngs and close to 200 wins with Boston? Uh, probably, uh, but you know, I'm not sure. Uh, and I don't find it convincing cause I don't really know what to believe. Bonds's case, I think has been laid out bare for all of us to see. Uh, yeah. we know exactly when he started to do the steroids. So I vote for him, but then I vote for, you know, the other guys on the ballot, you know, the non-steroid guys, the guys who played it clean, you know, their case, the, the case could be made for or against, uh, many of them. There are about 17 guys in the ballot. I thought, have a case one way or the other. And um, I did pick out a few that I, I vote for Andrew Jones. I thought he was incredible defensively and uh, did enough offensively to, to get there. I, I have voted for Scott Rowland. Um, you know, people could say he's borderline. I think we both kind of overlooked third base. Uh, I like also Scott Rowland a lot. Two-way two player. So I, I do vote for him as well. Um, and I, uh, hold my nose and vote for Schilling. I'm rooting against him getting in, as I've said. Uh, you know, it's not that he's uh, conservative. That has nothing to do with it. 
it's just, uh, you know, the, the, I mean, again, I vote for him anyway, so nobody can say it to me, right. you know, that, that vote for him do because it. he's a conservative. So this, that, that case can't even be made. I have voted for him and uh, continue to vote for him. Uh, but, uh, you know, I just think he's reprehensible uh, on many levels. I mean, to say that we pick guys because they're conservative or liberal, it's ridiculous. I mean, Mariano Rivera was publicly in favor of Donald Trump. He got 100% of the vote. I mean, right. that, you know, and the right. argument right there. Everybody right. said to themselves, Mariano Rivera, not only a conservative, a Trump conservative, uh, maybe I won't vote nobody. And nothing to do with it. Schilling is just reprehensible. Uh, to, you know, nothing to do with Republican or Democrat. But I, I do vote for him anyway. Uh, I don't know. I I'm see glad, but, but in all seriousness, I'm glad you cleared that up because <laughs> I hear that narrative all the time. And, and if you know, like we know, it just doesn't make any sense. As you mentioned, Mariana Rivera, Trump supporter, Trump conservative, 100%. Everybody voted for him. 100. And, Nobody. And, 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 Not one person and I, held it against him. Right. So I, I just I'm glad you, you, you got a chance to say that, because that is the narrative that is that is and will yeah. be uh, mentioned as we get to. Oh, vote. Is there is it's there a ridiculous. chance you think, you know, Tony, it's ridiculous. I mean, you think these other guys that we voted in are Bernie bros? No, they're not. They're not Bernie bros. You know, it's not even because we don't we don't look at it. I, I know which ones are conservative, I think, or liberal uh, in many cases, but it's not even in the equation, nor should it be. What, what about a guy like Gary Sheffield? I I, I look at him and I yep. look at his career. I, I I mean, he's right there, maybe yep. a little bit ahead of Scott Rowland, in my opinion. What do you think? Yeah. Well, as I said, there are 17 guys who I think have a case. And uh, even some of the new guys, I thought, you know, there's a case to be made for Burley or Hudson or Hunter. I didn't end up voting for them. I actually think we shouldn't boot guys off the ballot if they get less than 5%. We've I agree several, with that. You know, let's con- keep considering because – how many times have we had guys go from like 10 or 15% to getting in like Burt Blylevin and Larry Walker? They got in after starting at 10 or 15. So why do we have this cutoff at five? It's ridiculous. Uh, Hunter, Burley, Hudson, they're all fant- they were fantastic players. Let's consider it. And you, you never know. Minds could change. Now, I, I, you know, I, I could have voted for them just to help try to keep them on the ballot, but I didn't think it would be fair because I didn't. I don't vote for Billy Wagner or Todd, Todd Helton or several other players who are, in my mind, at least as good. And uh, you know, and just because they're going to stay on the ballot and, and the other guys won't, maybe potentially, uh, Burley might. I'm not sure, but so I don't think that's. Uh, you know, I I don't like that rule. Um, I will say, um, in Sheffield's case, I do think he is a steroid guy, so I don't vote for him. Mm. Uh, I don't. I do not vote for the steroid guys except for the Barry Bonds because, as I said, I do buy that narrative. You know, it's judgment call and all this. I understand their inconsistencies. I do think Sheffield, on his accomplishments, on his numbers, he's a Hall of Famer. But I'd say that about Rafael Palmero. I'd say mm. that about Mark McGuire. I'd say right. that about Sammy Sosa. I didn't vote for any of them. So and I see that Gary Sheffield's getting a big pickup. Uh, and I don't know. I'm not sure why it's he's different than – Sammy Sosa, I mean, they're both, to me, Hall of Famers based on what they do. How could you say Sammy Sosa is not a Hall of Famer? He had right. three years where he had 60 home runs. I mean, we're talking about fame here. There aren't right. too many players more famous than Sammy Sosa. And he never failed a test that resulted in a uh, suspension either, just like Sheffield. But uh, Sheffield's getting momentum. Uh, you know, I think 
I guess his case is uh, as a steroid guy is seemed to be less than Sosa. Maybe I don't know because Sosa was called into the uh, Congress and called really, to Congress. Yeah, yeah. But uh, they both took steroids. I mean, Sheffield uh, was a Bal- connected to Balco, and then he said, "Oh, well, you know, he took them, but it was Bonds gave it to him." Uh, you know, I mean, uh, you know, we're big boys here. You know, yeah. He's a good. He has good stories. That's my opinion of him. But you know, all of them had fantastic careers. Chef uh, Sheffield. Palmero, McGuire, uh, Sosa, and they're to me they're all in my the same basket for me. Uh, Hall of Famer on their accomplishments, but uh, steroids. Uh, you know, you want to me. I wonder a little bit about now. Sheffield had incredible talent, but and they all did. You you wonder how authentic. It's not a matter of moral morals. It's a matter. You know, it's the bar is very high to get in the Hall of Fame. Uh, if you took steroids, be. you know, how much did it help you? Uh, you know, we'll never know for sure. Uh, I mean, we know that it helped Barry Bonds a lot because he turned from, you know, he was the best player in the game anyway, but he turned into Babe Ruth once he right. took the steroids. So uh, we know it, it helps, but how much did it help McGuire, Sosa, Palmero, um, Sheffield? I don't think we'll ever know that. But to me, right. if you're a great player, but not an all-time great, and, you know, it's hard for me to vote for him because I really think – uh, the steroid guys, they ended up making more money. They got more trophies. Do I reward them again? And it's not just a museum. It's about it's a big reward, obviously, because that's why we talk about it. If we don't talk about it because it's a museum, we're not on here talking about the Louvre, right? We're talking talking about it because it's interesting <laughs> who we're going to honor. Right. And that's and that should be held in high regard. All right, John, let's hop into this insider. You hit on it. We hit on it a little bit earlier with Rio Muto, but uh, let's start with Trevor Bauer. What, what do you got on him? Trevor Bauer, well, there was a report that the, the Mets had offered um, the highest AAV uh, salary in a contract. And uh, as of today, as we do this podcast, that is incorrect. But it does feel like the Mets and the Angels uh, might be the most likely. I think the Mets were trying to piece together uh, – a group of guys that they were interested in, including Jackie Bradley, Kike uh, Hernandez, uh, Brad Hand, but but Hand is going to Washington. We know Kike's going to uh, Boston, and so and then JBJ. We don't know at this point. So uh, they're clearly the other alternative was to get the one big player, and that's Bauer. So they're clearly looking at it. Um, you know, they're debating and they're going to see what they can do. But they're clearly in the mix. And then the Angels, which need. They need pitching, and we know Artie has gone for some big free agents in the past. And I, Quintana helps them, but uh, they need pitching. So uh, they're in the mix. And I, I think the Dodgers, they're willing to do – they love to have great players. And Bauer, let's face it, he's a great player. And he is. I think they'd be willing to do a two- or three-year deal, a shorter deal on a pretty high AV. So, And I, I do believe he'd like to be in Southern California. So, you know, at this point, we had a guest today. We're going to say Angels, Dodgers, and Mets are the three most likely. Marcel Ozuna. Yeah, that's an interesting one. We have not heard much on him. He changed agents about two months ago, and uh, it doesn't feel like the Braves are in, in the mix, but you got to consider because they're looking for uh, a hitter. That uh, That's a possibility. I think the fact that they have the MLB and the union has not been able to come together on a, uh, on a deal that includes the universal DH probably hurts Ozuna because he was mostly a DH last year, and Obviously a great one. He did a great job with the Braves. So uh, I think he's going to end up being disappointed, uh, and I don't know where he's going to go, but 
uh, you know, I know that uh, there are teams in both leagues, but I, I would look more toward the American League at this point. Uh, that would be my guess. Uh, Cruz also would have liked to see the DH in both leagues. Um, he's one of the best hitters in baseball. Uh, we know the Twins are going to uh, willing to do one-year deal. Uh, I'm sure a pretty high number, but uh, he's been looking around and will continue. White Sox make sense for Cruz as well. I thought I'd throw in the DHs there. Ryan Braun. I mean, he's he's another yeah, name that uh, is yeah. a first-time free agency and, and quite, I think, first time in his career. What, what do you have on Ryan Braun? Yeah, you know, at this point, I think it's possible. He, he may not uh, play at the beginning. We'll see. I mean, uh, I've not heard from him uh, to this point, uh, but I have not heard his name out there either, and I'm not sure, uh, you know, with all the uncertainty that's going on about the DH and everything else. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think he's retiring. Uh, at this moment, but uh, maybe he'll come on in the middle of the year. But uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure that he's really actively uh, looking at this moment. We'll see, because I, I think he can help somebody. He's, I think he can still hit. And he did hit well at the end of last year. He did. When he finally got healthy, he did seem like he was back to being Ryan Broad. All right, this one is the most intriguing name on the list, I believe, and that's Justin Turner. Fresh off a World Series win in, in L.A. He's getting up there in age. How is this going to work out between Justin Turner and the Dodgers? Yeah, the Dodgers are still very optimistic on Justin Turner. So, you know, I mean, he, he fits in there beautifully. He's had seven great years there. He seems like a Dodger. You know, I think we'll all be surprised if he goes elsewhere. I've heard there are three other teams that are he's willing to consider that are World Series contenders that are interested. We've heard that he's interested in a four-year deal. The Dodgers would be willing to do two, maybe two in an option. I'm going to be surprised if he's not a Dodger, ultimately. The Jays are one of the other three teams. I don't know the other two, but uh, it, it'll be surprising if he does, if he leaves L.A. All right. Uh, how about former Dodger Yasiel Puig? His name is kind of surfacing again. What yeah. Somebody tweeted that the Yankees and the Marlins and the Royals were interested. Well, I've already eliminated the Yankees and the, the Marlins, uh, much to the dismay of his agent, uh, uh, Rachel Luba, she's come back at me on Twitter a few times. Uh, yes, yeah, I've noticed you've kind of been in some Twitter spats this yeah, offseason. I, mean, I, I don't spat back. I had no spatting <laughs> back for me. I, I let her say what she wants to say. And I mean, you know, I'm not going to get into a, an imbroglio with an agent. It's not worth it. She can say what she wants to say. She's got a job to do and right. certainly wants to put the client in the best uh, light possible. And it's not so easy with Yasiel Puig, though. But uh, the that fact that three teams came out, and we've already eliminated two of them, uh, you know, that doesn't bode well at this point. And the Marlins are not interested. I mean, the Yankees, maybe they had a discussion about it, but they need a left-handed hitter, not a right-handed hitter. And, uh, you know, I think that Cashman would like to bring uh, Brett Gardner back, and I'll be surprised if he's not back with the Yankees. But if it's not Gardner, it'll be a, a left, different left-handed hitter. They're not going to get a, any right-handed hitter. It's nothing against Yasiel Puig. Might, might be, but it's not going to he, he being right-handed eliminates him from the Yankees and the Royals. Uh, you know, I, I'd be surprised. I'm not seeing that one either, but I haven't eliminated that one on Twitter. I, I think you might want to look for that in the next couple of days though. And she'll, she'll come back at me when I eliminate the Royals too. <laughs> I'm sure uh, she will. And we'll all be waiting. All right, let's talk about a couple teams that may or may not have some things on the Ryan Braves. Let's start with there. You mentioned, Marcelo Zuno still being on their radar a little bit, but what do you hear? Are you hearing from the Braves? 
Yeah, well, we know that they're interested in Rio Muto, and he's interested in them. But as I said, I think Rio Muto is going to end up back with the, the Phillies. Again, I'll be surprised if he's not. They're already offering about $110 million. Braves aren't going to go there. They're going to go short-term for anybody, even a guy that they love like Rio Muto. Uh, and they have Darno, so they're they're pretty set at catcher. It's, that would be tricky, a tricky fit, yeah. but they are interested, as Robert Murray had said. The interesting name I heard that they've at least kicked the tires on is Trey Mancini from the, the Orioles. Um, he didn't oh, okay. play last year while he fought cancer and uh, just a terrific guy, a club leader. Uh, it's going to be hard to see the Orioles trading him. I do know that they're in sell mode. They talked about Santander uh, with the Marlins, who are also looking for a hitter, and that's a possibility. Um, the Orioles obviously are cost-cutting. Um, not a shock there. Uh, but nope. uh, to trade Trey Mancini, the face of the franchise, I think that's going to be a lot. I think that'll be tough for them. Maybe I'm being naive, but uh, I know the Braves are interested. Let's stay in that National League East, the Marlins. This is a team that surprised all of us last yep. year, and they're looking to to get a little stronger. What are you hearing on their front? Yeah, they're looking for a corner outfielder um, and uh, preferably a left-handed hitter, I believe, but they have very little money. Um, Anthony Santander from the Orioles is a guy that they're talking about, as Rock Kabatko from Masson uh, said. I think a trade is the way for them to go. They can uh, give up prospects. The Marlins have done a good job gathering prospects. They do not have a lot of money. They spent the $10 million, I spent $10 million already, over the 10 or $12 million on uh, Marte picking up his option. Uh, so, uh, you know, they weren't able to keep their closer, uh, uh, Brandon Kinsler, who's only making $4 million if they picked it up. So, uh, it's clear they have very little money to spend, but I think a trade is the most likely scenario. I mean, there are guys out there who would fit the bill and be that middle-of-the-order bat like Duval or Rosario, but uh, my understanding is the Marlins just don't have the money for those guys. So uh, I think they're going to go the trade route, and, hey, they were in the playoffs last year. They have the pitching. Uh, they don't need a ton of offense to succeed. No, they don't. They don't. They have the pitching, and – uh, that can get you a long way. All right, let's end this podcast with uh, the debacle, otherwise known as the DH extended playoffs conversation between yeah. players and owners. What 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 happened on this? Why why can't they come to an agreement on this? That's a shame. It really is. Uh, they should be able to work something out. It seems like both sides want the universal DH. It's just the player side wants it more. And I think the MLB took the opportunity to – offer the universal DH if they got the expanded playoffs. Now, the expanded playoffs really benefits both sides. Both sides would get more money, but it's obviously more work for the players. So, um, you know, my understanding is this trade was offered before the holidays. So we're going back a long time, several weeks now. And uh, uh, recently, uh, the union um, decided to reject it and just said, we're rejecting it. We don't take that offer. And uh, there was no counterproposal. So at this point, the sides are not really uh, doing too well. I'm going to be surprised if we get it done and get the universal DH. But, uh, I mean, to me, the expanded playoffs brings more money for everybody. The universal DH is something both sides want. Me, I happen to like the pitchers hitting. Uh, I like the strategy involved. Me but too. I get Me it. Too. I get it. You know, uh, it's better economically. And it's also... Uh, takes a little bit of an injury risk away from the pitchers. At least that's the theory. Um, so I get it. Both sides want it. It's a shame that you have something that both sides want, and they still can't get it done. That's that's the shame of it. That's That kind of speaks volumes to where we're at 
in terms of the relationship between owners and players. I'm hearing on the player's side a little bit, part of the reason why they don't want or they're, they're trying to negotiate this expanded playoffs is they feel like the appetite for free agency uh, will will kind of come down. And it's already been a slow process over the last couple of years. Uh, hopefully they actually get something done because as much as I love pitchers uh, hitting and I love the strategy, clearly – the appetite is to have a DH on both sides. So very good. Uh, that's a good. That's not a bad. That's not bad, Tony. I like that you've done some reporting there. I, oh, I thank you. That. You know, I, I put my John Heyman cap on every once good. in a while. And try yeah, to get I some mean, stuff. If, if there are more teams in, uh, you know, the theory could be that uh, you could get in with a mediocre team. So, uh, and that means you wouldn't go crazy for free agents. So, um, you know, that 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 does make some sense from the the player standpoint. I. I tip my cap to you there. Ah, <laughs> that, that means a lot coming from you. I appreciate it, John. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of Big Time Baseball. Uh, John and I try to get back weekly, but sometimes with the news is not there during the offseason, it makes it a little bit difficult. So uh, make sure you tune in. You can find our podcast wherever you uh, get your podcast from. I'm at Tony Gwynn Jr. He's at John Heyman on Twitter. And uh, catch us next week or the week after. We'll see. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.